You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. I want to share a message with you called, What Do You See? Everyone say with me, What Do You See? What do you see? My kid has a book, Brown Bear, Brown Bear, What Do You See? Did anyone have that book as a kid? I just spilled coffee all over myself. <laughs> if you're watching the podcast, there's a lot of coffee. Or listening to the podcast. Uh, in this COVID season, I, I think it's been interesting. Um, I, I think a lot of people started COVID saying like, uh, yeah, I'm going to learn a new skill. I'm going to I'm gonna do something. And I, I remember when we started kind of in this season, a lot of people were saying like, um, oh, you know, you know, uh, Sir Lloyd Wright, you know, wrote the famous poetry and so-and-so discovered this in science during their, um, during their quarantine. What could you do? And it was all this like, you know, thrive, don't survive. You know, you got to thrive in quarantine, you know, thrive in COVID. Don't just survive it. And can I just say this morning, like, it's okay if you're surviving. Just real quick as like a point of clarity. Like, don't let the internet make you feel bad. It's okay if you're surviving. You're like, I, like for me, I have two children. I want to end this quarantine with the same amount of children that I started with. No more, no less. <laughs> I want to I wanna end how I started. And so, like, I know it started, and, you you know, I, all these great bloggers are like, 10 activities you can do with your kids during. I'm like, I just, I'm happy they have pants on today, right? Like, I, I think there's this pressure to be like, we're thriving, and, you know. But it's like, I'm just happy that they're clothed, that they're, they're mostly fed, and that they look decently happy. Um, but I think, like, as it's gone, I, I, I feel like that, the, the kind of the tone shifted. I don't know if you've noticed it, uh, even in commercials, like commercials started out saying like, we're in this together. Toyota, we're here for you, even in this season. Now it's like, well, you might as well die in a RAV4, right? Like the season has shifted dramatically. Like, like it's just kind of like people are like, I just, I need to get over 2020. I need to be done with 2020. And I need to get into 2021. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? It's like, when will this year be over? Like, this is the year, and we joke about it. There were apparently hornets the size of Volkswagen buses, but like no one talks about it. I don't know. Where do they go? Seattle. They went, they went to my hometown. Yeah, that's where they are. Um, but I, I I think that what's happening in 2020 is, uh, is that there is very real, and, I, and I'm joking about it because I think sometimes we've got to lighten the, the mood a little bit, but if we're being honest, 2020, uh, everybody has suffered to varying degrees. Now, you might not have really suffered in 2020, but you probably still understand suffering. And some of you, uh, 2020 was a continuance of suffering you were already in. Some of you, 2020 has been a, a surprise amount of difficulty or suffering, and it's very real. So everything that I say today in this sermon is not to minimize suffering, but to maximize and glorify our God. So everything I say today is not to minimize, because the reality is we're all going to face trials and difficulty, all of us. Every person, to varying degrees, will face trials and difficulties. It's not a matter of if you will face difficulty in life, but how you will face difficulty in life. See, the great question that I want us to look at today in what do we see is not, do I see suffering in the world, but how do I see the suffering in my life? How do I see the difficulty that I'm facing? As I'm looking at 2020, I think it's okay to want to be done with 2020, but can I tell you and encourage you, I still think that God can do a work in your life in 2020, that God can still do something in 2020 in your life. It's all about perspective. See, how you look at trials will decide how trials make you look. How you face difficulty and suffering will decide how you come out. Am I going to come out of difficulty a bitter person or a joyous person? Am I going to come out an angry person or a peaceful person, right? A lot of that has to do with not necessarily the trial, but how do I respond to what's happening in my world? How do I respond to the difficulty that's happening around me? See, suffering and difficulty in the world is not an absence of God's love. In fact, if we look at Scripture, which we're going to do today, what we see is that in suffering, we can 
can actually deeply, deeply experience God's love for us. That in suffering, we more clearly and acutely become aware of how deeply God cares for us, how much he wants to strengthen us, how mighty he is, how great his miracles are, and how great the possibility and purpose that he's put on our life is. And what I love about the Lord is that when we face trials, he can actually produce godly character within us. He can actually bring purpose even in the face of persecution. And again, it goes back to that question, not am I facing trials or will I face trials, but how am I facing trials perspective. Here's the thing. 2020 is going to change. The year will end. Time works that way. It is unchangeable. Seasons change. My favorite thing about seasons is that they end. Like, that's my favorite thing. And you go on to something else. That's what makes it hard when they don't end, when the 115 days keep going. It's like, I'm ready for them to end. Seasons end. The reality is your season will change. The question is, will you change with it? Will you grow with it? What do you see? Someone say, what do you see? Okay, since we're, we're talking about suffering, I think we should maybe make it lighthearted here for a second. <laughs> um, I, I want to do two of the most famous um, optical illusions here that talk about perspective. These are from uh, the 1800s. Uh, one of them is from 1898. And I want to show you, follow me, camera person. Gracias, amigo. Um, I'm going to show you one, and then I'm going to ask you what you saw first. First. Okay. So we're going to put it up, and you're going to tell me. I'll, we'll do raise of hands, but what you what did you see first? Ready? Go. Okay. Here we go. What did you see first? You can leave it up. Do you and you can comment online as well. We'll see. How many of you first thing you saw was a okay, because we're gonna do duck or rabbit. If you saw something else like a wolverine, I can't help you. That's a, <laughs> we have to do a whole different set of tests. How many of you saw a rabbit? First thing saw a rabbit. Okay. How many of you saw a duck first thing? Overwhelming. Is it the tilt of the head? Is it because it's like he's giving a shout out? A duck or a rabbit? Okay. How many of you, your brain jumps between both of them really quickly? You see both of them a lot. Okay. That's a good sign that you're a decently creative person, actually. I think that's what it was. Or crazy. I can't remember. I'll look it up later. I'll let you know. <laughs> Okay, let's, let's do another one. Um, this is young woman or old woman, what do you see first? Classic, 1898, this, this came out. Here we go, throw it up. Okay, look at it. Okay, everyone got it? You, you see it? You're taking the second, you're finding it? Okay, just first impressions real quick here. How many of you see a young woman? Okay, oh wow. How many of you see an old woman? Okay. How many of you do not see the old woman? Okay. Let's break it down then. Uh, do you see her, her choker collar? Way ahead of her time. Um, that is the mouth. Do you see whatever's happening in her upper chest? I don't know what the word is. Clavicle? Neck? Is it neck? It's below the neck. That's the chin. The, the, her chin, the young woman's chin is the nose. The ear is the eye. You kind of, is there, you see what I'm talking about now? Some of you are like, I do not. I'll email you the image afterwards. Let me know. <laughs> I'll send it to you later. You can figure it out. Uh, <clears throat> these images are part of something called optical science. It, they're optical illusions. They're meant to understand how you perceive the wor world. Most famously would be like Rorschach's test where uh, they do ink blocks and you're meant to pick out. And depending on what you pick out might decide how you're feeling about, I don't know your family or something or, or your mental state or your security or things. A lot of what we see uh, is based off our experiences, our perception, our understanding. And isn't it interesting that in this room, same image, same thing, and yet multiple people saw different things, right? It's like, it's the same image. The image did not change. I didn't change anything between recognizing, you know, rabbit or duck. And yet different people saw different things. Because your perception and your perspective will give you a different view on the same experience. 
It will give you a different view based off your experiences. We know uh, there's studies that whether you stay up, uh, if you get up early or get up late or, you know, stay up late, different things will inform the way you see your experiences in life, what you believe about the world will inform what you see. The same is true in our life. Perspective is important for how we view the world around us. And so you might have a similar situation. You might have a similar image, similar scenario. How about this? You might have a similar trial and similar suffering, and yet somebody can see it differently based off of their perception and what forms it. So I want to talk about how do we form that perception? So last week, I talked to you about Romans 5, verse 6, when we were talking about 1 John. I felt like the Lord was really leading me that I needed to share the first part before that, because I think it really forms our understanding. So if you brought your Bible, go to Romans chapter 5. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. If you go from the New Testament there. And we're going to read it together. The words will be on your screen. If you brought, if you brought your Bible, awesome. Awesome. Uh, if you're online, you can just click it. There's a little tab that says Bible. It's pretty cool. Um, and it brings up the scripture, and you can jump through it. Uh, if not, it'll be on the screen or on your computer screen. But Romans 5, 1 through 2. Let's start there. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of God. How awesome is that? I think that's a reason to rejoice, the hope of God. Last week, I talked about what we believe about God's love will affect how we receive his love and how we give his love. Because we have received this deep love of God. Did you know that God loves you deeply? He cares for you personally. And that's why in Scripture it says we don't, we don't have any fear when we meet God because we know that he loved us first, that before we knew he sent his son to die for us, that he showed even by his actions how deeply and truly he loves us. So if you're feeling nervous about God, I wonder if he really loves me. No, because he sent his son that he deeply loves you. And so we rejoice in the hope of God. Okay, let's keep reading. Romans 5 verse 3. Not only that, not only do we rejoice in the hope of God, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Okay, so verse 1 said, rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And verse 3 said, rejoice in sufferings. So the first part I like, the second part I'm not as big of a fan of, right? Do you ever read scripture and you're like, yes, oh, yeah, rejoice in the love and the hope of God? Yes, come on, Lord. That's what I'm talking about. Some hope, some love. That sounds good. Rejoice in suffering. Oh, no, um, no. <laughs> Hold up. Doesn't that sound crazy? Come on, think, think about this in a second of your life. Why would you rejoice in suffering? Like, is there just a crazy person out there who's like, yes, thank you, Lord, for COVID. Thank you, God. Praise him. Right? No, it sounds crazy to rejoice. In, on the surface, it's, I thought I was just supposed to have stoic determination. Right? Like, I thought I was supposed to grit and make through it. Like, I went to the, I went to the men's camp. They told me I was a warrior. We like threw axes. It was, it was dope, you know, and I'm a warrior. I'm a warrior for God. So what I got to do is I got to grit down and I got to be a warrior and I got to be tough and I got to grit through my stuff. I can't tell anybody because then I'm going to be weak, but God's supposed to make me strong. So if I share my weakness, then God must not be making me strong. Therefore, I must not be a good enough Christian. So I just got to grit it and get through it and not quit it and just go and be depressed and be frustrated and be angry at everybody and feel isolated and not have deep relationships because I don't actually tell my brothers anything. I just like talk about football and the surface level stuff, even though I love football, but I'm going to get through it, but I'm miserable. You know what I'm talking about? That's how we do it, Christian men, right? Like we just like, we're warriors. <laughs> but we're like the most miserable warrior group ever. But that's not what he says. 
Now, I believe that God has called you to be more than conquerors through the power of the Holy Spirit and that there is a time and a place for, for the men of the church to stand up and be strong and be confident. I'm all about that. Strong men. 93% of families where the man becomes a, a direct and clear follower of Jesus Christ, the whole family ends up coming to know the Lord. That's statistical. Men, if you lead your family, you will lead them into eternity. That is statistically proven. I'm a big fan of that. But what I'm not about is misunderstanding suffering, that we must just grow and be in this place of ignoring our feelings. Are you still with me? Okay, good. That's important. It says rejoice in suffering. Rejoice in suffering. Isn't it disingenuous to rejoice in suffering? Like people have died. How can I rejoice? People have died. It seems disingenuous to rejoice. But I want to be clear. He's not saying be happy in suffering. He's not saying have an have a ignorant happiness. He's saying rejoice in suffering. It's unique. See, some of you, this is going to be a hard thing that I'm about to explain because suffering has become your identity. It's become your identity. Suffering has become the defining feature of your life. And now, this isn't to say that suffering can't define you as a person and how you see the world. I think sometimes the most merciful people are the people who suffered the most. I think the people who are the best of people seeing people on the outside are people who have felt on the outside themselves. I think the people who are best at helping people break through addiction are often those who have struggled with addiction themselves. So you're suffering is part of your story, but it doesn't define your complete identity. Your identity is a child of God. That is the summation of your identity. Now, the struggle and the difficulty are part of, his, are part of your story, but it's important to understand that your difficulty, your trials, your struggle, your suffering do not sum up your whole identity. Your identity is a child of God. And as a child of God, no matter what you are suffering, you still have purpose. How? Well, you have purpose because your purpose is to be in relationship with God. And no suffering can take away God's love from you. It gives you this unique perspective. It's that God actually is near in suffering, not far, and that suffering can actually draw me nearer to God rather than push me away. So though I might be suffering, that's not the summation of my identity. Loss, pain, hurt, brokenness. That doesn't totally and completely define me as a person. What defines me is I am a child of the Most High God who loves me and cares for me. Christians have a unique perspective on suffering because we know Christ. And so Paul says this. He says, this progression, rejoice in suffering, suffering produces endurance, all these things that create this powerful uh, progression. Paul is a fan of uh, progressions. And so he says things like this. So I want to I break it down for us this morning. Can we do that? Okay. The very first thing he says is he says, rejoice in our suffering. Now I want to take a second to, to describe this because when he's saying suffering, he's not saying like, um, your car door got scratched, which is like a suffering, or he's not saying inconveniences. He's saying to suffer, to be, uh, to, to feel the pressure. The word, the word there is literally philipsis, which means pressure. The same uh, word is described in John 16, 33, where Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. It's the same word when Paul says you're going to face hardship. It's the same word when describing the end of days, what the believers are going to go through. So this is like big stuff. So if you're feeling the pressure of the world, then he's talking to you. In this world, you are going to feel the pressure of a broken world. Anyone felt the pressure in 2020? You know what I'm talking about then. But Paul says we should rejoice, not meaning happy, but we should have joy in difficulty. Why? Our joy is not in our difficulty, but in the middle of difficulty, we can have joy because of what God can do. Let me say it again. Our joy is not in the literal suffering, but that in suffering, we can have joy because of what God can produce within us. He's not saying, like, enjoy when someone beats you up. Be like, yes, more. Like, no. <laughs> That's not what he's saying. He's saying, in the middle of trial, suffering, difficulty, 
God can produce something powerful within us. Everyone will face suffering, but those who face it with Christ, he can produce something inside of them. You still with me? Okay, good, good, good. He says, rejoice in our suffering. Why? Because suffering produces endurance. Somebody say endurance. Endurance. Let me, let me pull out these words. I'll, I'll give you kind of the more literal, exact word for word. Being in a state of distress cultivates a steadfast endurance. That's what those words mean. Being in a state of distress cultivates a steadfast endurance. James 1, 2 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. See, steadfastness is a response to suffering. It's not the end result. It's an action. Uh, uh, when Jan and I were, were working together uh, when she was leading worship team and we were in a really unique season I think and I, I felt like there's a lot of spiritual things kind of coming against the team and, and the church and we were really pressing through and trying to break through barriers and we were meeting and Jana was going through a lot of things and I just have so much grace for people that are like trying to graduate from school and work multiple full-time jobs I'm like yeah hey if you want to do it good luck I did it but you know good luck it's hard um, in fact, all of our team works other jobs, and they faithfully uh, work here and work somewhere else. And um, so we were sitting down, and we were talking through it and uh, talking through it, you know, and she was just like, I I'm just, I'm so in my head. You know, I have so much going on. It's hard for me, like, in those moments when the opposition and the pressure comes in, it's not to just get in my head. Anyone ever been in their head? The pressure comes, you just, you, you kind of get lost in your brain and your thoughts, and you begin to kind of shut down. And so we came up with this phrase, press in, don't shut down. And that's a big part of our worship team. Hey, I know this part's hard, but press in, don't shut down. And those are really the two responses to suffering, right? I can be steadfast or I can be shut down. Those are kind of my two responses. In the face of suffering, which we will all face, regardless if you know the hope of Jesus Christ, I can be steadfast or I can be shut down. But those are kind of the two responses. And in order to get through in a way that brings a fruit of joy in my life and a possibility of purpose and mission in my life, I must choose to be steadfast in that moment. It's kind of like this. Paul loves the uh, analogy of running a marathon. You know, I've run the race to win the prize. I'm going to run. If I today had to run a marathon, I'm telling you right now, there's some things that I have to change in my life. <laughs> Mainly, run <laughs> as one of them. Uh, I've been a little bummed. The gyms have been shut down, and it's a million and a half degrees outside, and I'm not tough like some of you native Arizonans. I see you guys running outside, and I, I'm just blown away. The ability to run outside when it's a million degrees, I would die. That might have to do with more of my shape than my, uh, you know, toughness. Um, <laughs> if I'm being honest. I'm just being honest today, guys. Come on. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I like working out, but if I were to, if I were to run and do a marathon, I, I would have to run. And at some point when I got around the first lap and I started breathing like a half-tranquilized rhino, like... <sighs> <laughs> you, I'm the only one who, who has those breaths. Come on. Come on, guys who got that COVID-15. Just be honest with me. Malone up here. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay. I would have to choose in that moment, will I, will I continue or will I give up? If I continue, it will probably hurt. It will probably be difficult. But what will I achieve? I'll, I'll run the 23 and a half million miles or whatever that a marathon is. Because to get there, to build that character within myself, I must be steadfast in amidst the difficulty. Are you with me? Paul understands that obviously every analogy breaks down at some point, so don't take it to its most umpteenth degree. But the reality is in my life, I have the choice. See, endurance is the catalyst for the development of character. If you want to build relationships, you must endure hard relationships. I tried to build this relationship, but it was hard. Good. It can be hard. I'm not saying abusive. Don't be that person. 
It can be hard. I'm trying to build some character. Yes, it can be hard. It can be difficult. But suffering produces endurance. But what's amazing is most importantly, Paul says next, endurance produces character. That's the result. Suffering produces endurance, but endurance is the catalyst for the development of character. It means endurance produces character. The result of steadfast endurance in the face of distress is character. That word character there actually means dependability. It means dependability. It means there's a confidence in the ability to be counted on. It would be the same word as like a veteran soldier. If you're a veteran soldier, uh, it's like this idea of like battle-tested. There's a dependability of it. Who do you want leading you into the wilderness? Like Crocodile Dundee or just like Rick who's never been into the wilderness? I'm taking Dundee 10 out of 10, right? He's got the big knife. It's the only Australian word I know. His knife. But who do you want? It says endurance produces character, dependability. First Peter says, how, how do we get there? It says our character will be revealed through testing. First Peter 1, 6 through 7 says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, the word testing there is not meaning taking a test, but it's, it's like gold. It's meaning the testing of gold, the refining of gold. It's a refining. You know how we refine things? Pressure and heat. And so in gold, what they do is they take gold and they heat it up, and all the good stuff sinks down and distills down, and all the impurity and other stuff goes to the top, and they skim it off, and they heat it up again, and they skim it off, and they heat it up again, and they skim it off. If they don't skim it off, and it cools back down, what happens? It all goes back into it. So it has to be skimmed off. Some of you in this season, you've been under the pressure, and God is trying to skim off some of those things in your life to produce a pure heart within you, and you're under the heat. And it's not that he's putting you through trial or difficulty, but he's giving you the opportunity to build character. Do you understand the difference? That God is not trying to make you suffer in this season, but he can take a season of suffering and make you grow. Endurance produces character. Everyone, everyone is going to go through hard times, but only some people will grow through hard times. Every person. You can't escape 2020. You have to live out the rest of these days. Your life is precious and important. You should live every day you can. You can't escape it. You must go through it. The question is, will you grow through it? Will you grow in 2020? The difficult thing is Christian character is best grown in chaos. It's best grown in difficulty. Let me say it another way. Christian character is best grown in suffering. That's what I mean. Not chaos, sorry. Suffering. It's kind of like this. If I go to the gym, and uh, I used to go to the gym every morning with Dave, and back when gyms were a thing, and if I just went every week and I looked at the weights and I thought, wow, and I looked at the people who were working out, and I thought, wow, yeah, that's right. That's right, someday. But I never lifted any weights. I would look weak. <laughs> and so, but I would need to pick up the weights, and I need to lift them. And as I was lifting them, guess what? There would be strain and tension and sweat and maybe some tears. I don't know. It just depends. And I would be lifting the weights, and there would be tension. There would be strain. The same thing is true with character. The same thing is true with Christian character. Did you know that if you want to grow in mercy, it requires conflict? If there's no one to give mercy to, how are you going to grow in it? If you were like, God, I want to grow in peace. I need to understand how to have peace. Guess when peace is grown? It's grown in chaos. Like, that's when you grow. You don't grow it. You don't grow peace in peace. You grow peace in chaos. Right? That's Christian character. Did you know that if you want to grow in love, it requires relationship. It requires vulnerability. It requires honesty. It requires trust. It requires putting yourself out there and a chance of getting hurt. That's how it's grown. Peace, 
Trust. Oh my gosh, trust. You want to grow in trust? Trust requires obstacles. If you want to trust God, guess when that's grown? That's not grown at the top of the mountain. It's grown at the foot of the mountain. It's grown looking up like, oh my gosh, I can't handle any of this. That's when trust is grown. God, I choose to trust you. This is the thing. Everyone will suffer. Everyone will be at the foot of an immovable object. The question is, will I scratch and claw and fight and feel like I'm dying or will I trust God with it? Will it produce character within me or chaos within me? Have you looked at 2020 and thought, God, how could you do this to me? Or have you thought, God, what can you do through me as I face this? Which is another question I think. If you ask yourself this season, do I love God or do I just love his provision? Because his provision is good. I love the provision I got. But loving God comes first. Do I love God? Do I love his love for me? Do I love the fact that he's provided salvation for me and the spirit for me, that he's with me? Do I love him because he's worthy of love? Do I worship him because he's worthy of praise? Or do I love him just because if he shows up in this very specific way that I've set out for him? Do I love God or I love his provision? Because if you go through suffering and say, God, I, I, I choose to trust you, develop character within me, can I tell you, he will bring purpose, he'll bring provision, he'll bring direction and clarity because he's good and he's faithful. But it starts with, Jesus, I need you. It's not about performance. It's about perspective. Jesus, I need you in what I am facing. Holy Spirit, I need you to lead me. Yes, God, I, I go to the Word and I read the Word, but I, what I need to do is stand here and pray, Jesus, I need more of you. Holy Spirit, I need you to lead me. When was the last time you prayed? I'm going to let go of control. Jesus, give me perspective in what I'm facing today. See, character can have a lot of elements, but the primary part of it is faith. Faith. Suffering tested, will I trust Jesus? Will I press into him? Or will I shut down? Rejoice in our suffering because suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. And one of my favorite ones, character produces hope. This is what's awesome. When we press into God, we grow in hope. Why? Because we start with it and we end with it. This is, this is a cycle. See, I can go into suffering with hope because I'm hoping in a God who has shown me already that he loves me by sending his son. So I'm not waiting for him to prove himself faithful. I'm not waiting for him to prove himself loving. I know already when I face difficulty that he loves me. I have that going in. Are you with me? Like I have that going in to suffering, knowing, okay, God, you love me. You're faithful. You're with me. And so when I face suffering, God consistently proves that he loves me. In my own suffering, I have seen it be true that God constantly shows that he cares. And I've been through the fire. I've been through difficulty. God was with me, worked through me. And so now I have an even greater confidence when I come through it. That's how I can rejoice. It's not that I rejoice in that I am suffering, but I rejoice in the fact that every time I do, God reveals more of himself to me, and therefore I come out of it knowing what's most important in the world, and that is God and his love for me and his love for his children. So though suffering would destroy me if I didn't have him, instead it actually strengthens me because I do. Because I'm going to suffer no matter what, but am I going to be strengthened in my character and hope through God? I've heard it said like this, hope makes it possible to endure. And at the same time, the process of enduring and the godly character it produces increases our hope by making us continually reflect on the future realities guaranteed by God. Hope produces within us more hope. But how often do we forget? Isn't it crazy what was a miracle like a year ago can just be so easily forgotten when we face the next thing? It's like, I prayed for this, and God answered me. And the next thing comes, and you're like, I don't know if God hears me. It's like, well, you heard you six months ago. It's like, yeah, but I'm suffering. It's like, yeah, everybody suffers. We live in a broken world, but we believe that God can deliver. Well, how do I believe that? Well, he saved you, and he has a great track record. 
Can I just encourage you, don't forget if God has done a miracle in your life, write it down, put it on something important, etch it in the side of your car if you have to, so when you go out, you see it, whatever you gotta do so that you don't forget that God deeply loves and cares for you and has moved in your life because character produces hope. Remember when God used a tragedy that was supposed to destroy you to give you a testimony that brought others into eternal life. Remember, remember when God used a crisis that was supposed to devastate your family in to an opportunity to build character and unity with him. Remember what God has done. Remember when God did a miracle to move mountains in your life. Remember, character produces hope. What's amazing is what he says next. Not only does character produce hope, but hope does not put us to shame. Okay, that's a really interesting thing. Hope does not put us to shame. What does that mean? Look at the whole verse. It says, hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Okay. Hope. Amen, children. If you're watching online, all the kids just screamed in unison about something. Probably candy. Uh, it says, hope never puts us to shame because it rests secured in God's love. Now, he's not saying that he poured out, he's pouring out the Holy Spirit. He's saying through the Holy Spirit, he's pouring out God's love. Why? Because God has already given you the Holy Spirit. We talked about in 1 John. You are, if you're a believer, you're anointed by the Holy Spirit. He dwells with you. And it says the Holy Spirit pours into you God's love. What does that mean? It means he reveals to you more of how deeply God loves you. Because that's a pretty supernatural thing, the love of God. How do you know the love of God? Well, the Holy Spirit reveals it to you and pours it into you. How do we know that he loves us? How do we hope? How do we know that he's trustworthy? Because like I said in the beginning, he sent his son to die for us. While we were still enemies, God sent his son to die for you and I. So now the same God who saved you from your sin can save you in your situation. This is important. The God who created the universe and sent his son to die for you is not smaller than 2020. He's not smaller than COVID. He's not smaller than murder hornets. He's not smaller than the next election. He's not smaller than anything you might face. He's not smaller than the economy. He's greater than all of those things. So as you face them, as you face trying to figure out how to pay your bills, as you face how to figure out this health issue, as you face your future, as you face dealing with your past, guess what? God is greater than all of those things. He created the world, he redeemed the world, and he's here for you. There's something, oh yeah, we can celebrate that. That's okay. <laughs> I'll drink coffee so you know it's okay to clap. <laughs> we rejoice in the hope of God and suffering because the same God who created the world came and suffered and died knows suffering, knows our suffering, and in suffering will produce within us something beautiful, a deeper love and relationship with him. 2 Timothy 2.11 says, the saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we also live with him. Can somebody turn on that back AC unit? I am literally dying with him right now. If we have died with him, we'll also live with him. If we endure, we'll also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, look at this. He remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. I love this. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope will never put us to shame. Why? Because God will not shame you. He can't do it. It's not his character. He can't be faithless. God always is faithful. God has to be faithful because he's perfect. And he can't be imperfectly faithless. We can, but he can't, which means God is faithful. See, the question is not whether or not we will face trials in this world. The question is, how will we face them? How will we look at them? How will we view them? Will we view them from the perspective of a God who is mighty and cares for us and is with us? Or we will, will we view them from the sake of our own strength, our own power, our own ability, our own perspective, and therefore be bitter and exhausted and miserable? It's not if, but how. What do you see? Someone say, what do you see? Okay, I'm gonna, we're gonna do one more. Um, you guys remember 2015, simpler times, right? Imagine trying to explain 2020 to your 2015 self. Like you'd sound like a conspiracy theorist. Be like, yeah, 
Um, yeah, uh, everything's shut down except the liquor stores. Donald Trump's president. Uh, like, just try to just explain that to 2015 you and watch you be like, no. Like, you get committed. You go back in time, end up in sanitarium like Bruce Willis in that one movie. Uh, but in 2015, simpler times, there was something that, that, that broke the internet that's not Kim Kardashian. And uh, it was a dress. You guys remember the dress? And there was a debate on whether the dress was white and gold or blue and black. So I'm going to put it up, and then we're going to vote. And if you, if you know the answer, then just tell me maybe what you thought when you first saw it. Okay, so let's put it up. Okay, this is the dress. Is it white and gold or blue and black? You're like, it's brown and teal. That's not my question. I reject your rebellious spirit. <laughs> is it white and gold or blue and black. Okay, we're gonna vote. First impression, white and gold, raise your hand. Okay. First impression, black and blue, raise your hand. Okay. If I told you that it was one or the other, would, would you how many of you would still be convinced, no matter what I told you, that, it, that you saw what you saw? Good, that tells me a lot, that's good to know. <laughs> um, okay, well let's put up the next photo then. The dress is actually blue and black. In fact, the company that made the dress actually made a white and gold version because of this controversy. But the dress is blue and black. How many of you, even though I'm showing you the dress, even though I personally have read all of the articles about this and read, there's actually like a Danish study on this. There was, um, there was an English study on this. There's multiple studies on this because it was so fascinating. How many of you still believe it's white and gold? Just be 100% honest. That is amazing. <laughs> okay, I want you to know that you can bring that to the altar later because <laughs> it's, it's blue and black. I know you're going to look it up. You're going to bring me a little photo later and show me. I know they made a white and gold version, but not till after. It's interesting. Uh, how many of you said white and gold? I'm so curious about this. Raise your hand. White and gold again. How many of you also get up early that said white and gold? Okay. Interesting. They found that there was a high correlation, again, people studied this, between those who got up early and those who saw white and gold. Why? Because more people who stayed up later traditionally saw blue and black because of what they believe about daylight, because they see more artificial light by staying up later. Whereas more people who get up early see more natural light and therefore believed it was white and gold. And it was lots of studies about it. But what they came to find out is a lot of your experience determines your perspective on what you see on that dress. How you view the world how you view light, how you view photography, what you might know about it, how you feel about all kinds of different factors, your certainty of self, and how often you jump back and forth between opinions, your self-identity. Like, all these experiences speak to your perspective on this image. Now, there is a right answer. Some of you are still not convinced, and I'm going to get some text messages. But what we do know, and we can all agree upon, is your perspective dictates what you saw on that image. So my question is not, is the dress uh, white or gold or black? My question is, how do you see 2020? What is your perspective? Is it white and gold or blue and black? No. <laughs> how about this? Is it something to suffer through or to grow through? Maybe both. Is it something that you will come out looking bitter and exhausted and angry and frustrated, or can God do something in your life and give you purpose even amidst a tough season? How do you see your suffering? Is it possible? Is it possible to see something even in the midst of difficulty? Is it possible to see hopelessness as an opportunity to hope in God? that diagnosis, that doctor's appointment, that financial statement, that job loss, that relational status? Is it possible to see it with the right perspective as an opportunity for 
growing nearer to God. See, we pray that God heals and rescues and saves, and we know that he does. We see it in this church. I've seen God do miracles in this church, but we're also promised in John 16, 33, that in this world, you will have troubles. Did you know that Christianity is a paradox like that? Like God moves and does miracles, and we also face trials. Like there's all kinds of paradoxes. Grace and truth is a paradox. But we're in that state of in the face of suffering, what will I do? In the face of chaos, what do I cling to, God or my own strength? In the face of pain, do I lean into God? When I come home from a difficult day, do I press into the Lord or do I press into the bottle? I'm not anti it, but I'm just saying, is it your God? Do you lean into it? Do I press into, let's pick something else, Netflix. Do I press into escapism? Do I press into to relationships to satisfy a need for self-identity in myself when things get difficult? Do I, what do I press into in the face of uncertainty? Do I trust in his promises or do I lay awake with constant anxiety? In the face of frustration, do I ask the Holy Spirit to give me peace or am I constantly angry at everybody because this attitude that exists in my life is people are dumb and how can they be this way and yada, yada, yada. That's the question in life is not will I suffer, but how will I go through it? I'm not talking about just habits. I'm talking about faith and I, and I hope you're with me. Because the question is, will I respond to suffering by endurance? Because if I do, if I respond in the hope and the character that comes from God, what I know is that God will produce something beautiful even in destitute situations. That I serve a God who gives beauty for ashes. That I serve a God who gives joy for suffering. That I'm not saying the times are easy or I understand how to pay the bills or I understand how to get through this, but I know the God who does. And I know that he loves loves me, and I know that he can rescue and deliver and secure me. Are you with me? That the God who sees and knows you is saying, why don't you take the weight of 2020 off your shoulders and give it to me and allow me to do something? And that you might end 2020 not thinking, not saying, thank you, Lord, that I'm done with it, but thank you, Lord, what you've done within me. Thank you, God, what you've done within me. Holy Spirit, would you give me endurance? Holy Spirit, would you build character? Band, you can come up today. Holy Spirit, would you stir up hope and love in my life? Holy Spirit, would you do something in me? Your season will change. My question is, are you going to change with it? Are you going to grow with it? Are you ready for God to do something? Or are you just like, you know what, I got I to gotta grit through it. I just got to have some stoic endurance, make my way through it. Or are you willing to say, God, I surrender this time to you. I surrender these things to you. And I trust that you can do something in my life. Because can I promise you if you do that, if you surrender it to God, if you take that weight off your shoulders, I know that he'll produce hope in your life because I know that God is faithful. I know that God is good. And I know that he can do a miracle in your life today. And I feel like we had to pause for a moment so that I can tell you, listen, it's okay that you're suffering and hurting. You don't have to hide that. But it's not okay to do it alone. It's time to give it to the Lord and say, God, I surrender it to you. I lay it at your feet. Would you give me a fresh perspective in this season? Some of you, you're, you've been in it. You're like, I just need a fresh perspective. I need a fresh perspective at my job. I need a fresh perspective in my family. I need a fresh perspective in my city. It's 115. I drive around. I don't got AC. I'm just frustrated. I'm angry. I go home. I can't pay the bills. I'm frustrated. I don't have the friends I wanted to have. I don't have the relationships I wanted to have. I'm just struggling. You're like, you know what, God? I could run myself on the little hamster wheel of life trying to make that happen, but I'm going to give it to you instead and say, God, I trust you. Would you give me fresh perspective in this season? Would you encourage me? Would you strengthen me? Holy Spirit, would you renew me? Would you be with me? Some of you, you're just ready to have the Holy Spirit minister to your life today. And it just starts with that simple prayer of Jesus. I need you. I need you. Give me that fresh perspective this morning, Lord. Would you stand with me? As you're standing with me this morning, would you just uh, bow your head and close your eyes? Allow us just a chance of focus. Maybe you're 
even at home watching online. This allows us to focus our hearts together. In just a moment, the band's going to lead us in the song, Build My Life. And I'm such a fan of this song because it does exactly kind of what I just shared here, which is glorifies God in the middle of our suffering. And it declares that we build our life upon him, that God, I take all the weight and I lay it at your feet. And I say, God, would you give me fresh perspective what do I see? I see an opportunity for God to be glorified even in my suffering. What do I see? I see an opportunity to press nearer to God. What do I see? I see an opportunity for God to reveal more of his love in his life, in my life. What do I see? I see an opportunity for God to be glorified even in the struggle. So Jesus, I choose to build my life and to set it upon you. If that's you this morning, I want to pray for you. If you're saying, I really need a fresh perspective in this season in 2020. I really need Jesus to strengthen and renew me. And you're saying, you know what, this morning, I just want to take that weight, that weight off, that worry, that anxiety, that suffering. And I just want to lay it at his feet and say, God, would you produce hope within me? I give you control today. If that's you, I'm just inviting you. Just kind of lift your hands in a receiving posture. And I want to pray for you this morning. If you're saying, just give me fresh perspective today, Lord. Give me fresh vision today, Lord, as I walk through this season of life. That I can see what you want to do. God, would you produce something within me and through me. God, I desire for you to produce purpose in my life, even amidst suffering. If that's you, I just want to pray with you this morning. God, I pray for everyone this morning who's saying, God, I just long for that perspective and that purpose, even in the midst of difficulty and suffering. God, I long for that, and I pray right now that you would give me fresh perspective. Jesus, I pray in this moment we just take the burden off of our shoulders, and we lay it at your feet. We say, here it is, God. Here is all the control. Here is all the worry. Here is all the anxiety. I release it to you, and I pray, God, this morning that you would reveal like your scripture says, through the Holy Spirit, you would pour out your love to us. God, that you would reveal more deeply how you are with us and how you love us and how you care for us this morning. And I pray that we would leave God feeling lightened, feeling lifted, even though we still face the things of this world, there would be a lightness and a freedom to as we go out this morning because of your love for us and because we no longer cling so desperately to the control, but we ask that you would work through us and in us in this season. In Jesus' name, we pray. In Jesus' name, we pray. Let's worship together this morning. Give him all the praise and all the glory. Amen.